0: This week's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast is presented by our great presenting sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. Great burgers and salads. Check out their locations in Santa Barbara and Goleta on Chapala Street downtown in Hollister Village on Cuyo Real and Goleta and their new location in Isla Vista. Check out the new crispy chicken sandwich and head on into Kyle's Kitchen and please say what's up to Kyle. This episode also brought to you by A guy with a truck, junk removal, and demolition. Licensed and insured in Santa Barbara and Ventura counties. Hit up Chase at a guy with a truck, junk removal. 805-689-1413 for free, no obligations. Quote, they do bathroom demolition. They can take away an old shed. They can remove stuff from your garage. They could do it all at a guy with a truck, junk removal. All right, week eight. We've got Jerry Fall. Checking in at the halfway point of this season, and then we do awards with UCSB Analytics, David Tillotson and Spencer Stewart. That's what's on tap for this episode as the Gauchos take three of four from CSUN and look ahead to their series with UC San Diego. So sit back and enjoy this episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast. Let's get to Jerry Fall.
1: It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night.
0: Here's the one-strike pitching. Mitchell belts it to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch, and a curveball is swung on him
1: in. And the score is due. Here
0: comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the
1: 2019 Champions of the Big
0: West. All right, I guess this week on the Gaucho Night podcast, the venerable Jerry Fall. Second appearance. Yes. Second appearance, uh your second start because you started off the first podcast that we were on back in February, and you're mm-hmm. going to start this one off. Um, Beautiful. I think you probably went like six innings, gave up four hits, a run, struck out six uh, in your first Quality start. Quality start. So let's – but we can make this one better, right?
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we're – believe it or not, we're 30 games in I to know. the 2021 season. How about that?
1: And there's still a lot more ball to be played.
0: We've already played half or a double, not half, but double as many games as we got in last year. So that's great. is mm-hmm. sitting at 21-9, and second place in the Big West at 12-4, and a game behind UC Irvine. It's been a fun year so far. There's been lots of surprises, lots of bright spots. There's been ups and downs. And you've pretty much been there since since day one. Well, we we mm-hmm. checked in with you after the Santa Clara series. That was the first time you saw the team. And you've been following us on the road. You've been at the home games, of course, with Bob on Big West TV, but what's your your impression of the first 30 games, it really as a whole, some of the bright spots that you've seen from this team?
1: Oh, I think it's a solid team, Kev, all the way around. I mean, the bright spots, you've got Rodney Boone on the mound, you've got, uh, Mike McGreevy on the mound. I love Corey Lewis, what he's been able to do. Um, JD Callahan since, since Zach went down, Callahan's been solid. Yesterday was another solid performance by JD. I thought, and what more can you say about Zach Rodriguez? I mean, check it describes his swing as a swing with a very small hole in it. And if you make a mistake, he's going to make you pay for it. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's an exciting team. It's a fun team to watch. I think they, uh, they all get along really well, it seems like. And uh, and you could tell on the field, you know, even when like, for instance, Sunday's game, they commit three errors and, and whatnot, but you never felt that they were out of it, even though they were trailing at 1.4 to nothing. And even when they trailed seven to three and they lost by that margin, I still thought, you know, this offense could get it going at any time. And the offense has just been great to watch, um, you know, I just, I think there's so many different pieces of this team that are so solid um that I, I know i wouldn't want to play him you know if i'm in the big west conference or in the ncaa postseason i wouldn't want to play the gauchos well,
0: let's let's start with uh the most recent thing that happened the series against cal state northridge gauchos win three of four and as you mentioned yesterday they fall seven uh, three uh on sunday the big swing of the bat by brock mortensen the the three-run homer in Ooh. the what was that the sixth inning Yes. just snuck over the glove of Jose Ruiz in left field. We both thought he caught it.
1: Yeah. And, and as you said, when we were talking before the podcast here, you, you thought, and I thought he was selling it in Sweden. Yeah. We the warning track, and I thought he was going to raise his arm up with the ball in his glove, but he was laying on the warning track because he was, uh, he was very disappointed. He didn't catch it.
0: Well, Brock, I wouldn't say he got off to, well, I guess the analytics team would say he did not get off to a slow start because I think he was like one for his first 15 at-bats, something like that, but 10 of those were hit over 100 miles an hour. So he was hitting the ball hard, wasn't Mm -hmm. getting rewarded for it, and he's really turned it on, especially in Big West play, and he has had some monster moments, uh, most notably the the homer in the ninth that tied the game against Fullerton on the road. Then that homer yesterday, which really changed the complexity of the game Mm -hmm. at that moment. and he leads the Big West Conference with eight home runs, and he's really stepped up filling in for Castanon, for who's been out. So, right. I mean, Brock has been impressive with the stick. Uh, what are some of the things that impress you about Brock? Uh, what kind of power does he have? Is, can you compare it to, to Austin Bush in the power department?
1: Mm, I don't know about that because um, when Austin hit him, they landed in a different county uh, most of the time. I mean, I just remember some of the the shot he hit at Irvine, remember that, Kev? Where he just oh, the dead it. center field. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And the home run he hit at Louisville. I mean, mm-hmm. those were just titanic blasts. But I think Mortensen is really, really good at going to all fields. Um, the home run he hit against Northridge yesterday, obviously, um, or on Sunday, if this if people are listening um, past Monday, which they would be, uh, the home run he hit on on Sunday was opposite field, and it he smoked it off the bat. I mean there wasn't a lot of wind blowing out. And I think, um, you know, I think it was really an impressive home run. Of course, he's got power to his pull side and there's no question about that. But um, I, you know, in terms of the, the power compared to Austin Bush, I think Bush hits him farther or did hit him farther. But in terms of being a home run threat, every time he, he steps to the plate, I think he is that home run threat every time he steps up there like Austin Bush was.
0: Yeah, it's a nice presence to have in the lineup that has been dynamic to this point. You look at Cummings and Sprinkle at the top of the lineup. And mm-hmm. Cummings had a 20-plus on-base streak going uh, through the first 30 games. Sprinkle is on a nice hitting streak of his own right now. I think it's up to 13 games at this point. And he hit four sixty-seven over the weekend. He's still on 11 bases. Sprinkle has been dynamic uh, since he came in for – right for O'Connor, who went down. So Gauchos are missing two of their marquee names, Marcos Castanon and McLean O'Connor, and guys like Sprinkle and Cummings and Mortensen and Zach Rodriguez yeah. have stepped up. And Rodriguez, the big homer on Friday, with the Gauchos trailing 4-2, which tied the game in the sixth inning. Mm-hmm. Again, there's something about that sixth inning. Uh, this I know. Where the <laughs> Gauchos were like, okay, it's it's time to put a big swing together. But they've had a lot of moments like that uh, this season, where they've been trailing late or they've needed a big swing of the bat, and it's come through. And those four guys that I just mentioned have been at the core of that.
1: Exactly, and that's again that's what makes this such a fun team to watch because that offense can get it going at any time. And I think we've been talking about the offense this year, Kevin, and and all the runs that it's producing, and the offense is at the tops of the big west conference in a number of different categories and i don't think you could really say that too much in in years past where a lot of times in years past it's been the pitching that has um that has driven the gauchos and that is that has uh taken the gauchos to to great places but this year that offense um is is really something to watch and you you look at zach rodriguez who's a uh you know a true freshman and what he's been able to do he's adjusted to the college game about as fast i think as a true freshman can adjust i mean it's a faster game the ball moves differently out of the pitcher's hand than it does in high school so many different variables involved in the college game compared to high school especially division one game and it looks like he's been on the d1 level for the last four years i mean he doesn't miss a beat he's an outstanding right fielder At the plate, he's always a threat, and he's a home run threat like Brock. And you know, he just he just doesn't take bad swings and batted bats up there. It seems.
0: And occasionally he gets plunked. Yeah. Occasionally he gets plunked.
1: Occasionally. (laughs) They all do at
0: some point. (laughs) Well, leading the team and hit by pitches, we we were following that because it seemed like he was getting hit once a game uh, Mm -hmm. at the start of the season. It's it's toned off back a little bit but instead of getting hit, he's been hitting it over the fence and driving right. in runs, and right. he's been going opposite field, and he's got that power to right center, and he hit his, the, the homer on Friday to left center, so you know he's really starting to, to expand his ability at the plate, and it's been really, really fun to watch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A couple other guys who have been really, really fun to watch, and going into the season, harping off of last year, where it was the Gaucho pitching that was leading the conference and tops of the nation and era and was got all the most of the attention not all but most of the attention heading into this year the pitching was kind of on 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 the second page behind mm-hmm. the offense but they're a little upset and they want to be on the front page again right and it was Michael McGreevy against Hawaii you listen to it you right. watch it but you listen to it
1: you, you did a great job on the call I appreciate in, in that. all the wind.
0: But complete game shutout last weekend against Hawaii. And then Roddy Boone, man, yesterday, 14 strikeouts, including eight in a row. He struck out five in a row to start mm-hmm. uh, the, the game last weekend in Hawaii. And then popped right. that with eight in a row between the first and third innings this weekend. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you decipher which one was more impressive or are they equally as good?
1: I think they're equally as good because – Northridge came into the series hitting, I think it was 287. That's a good hitting club and Rodney made them look silly at times. And I I think that in a lot of respects that was probably a little bit more impressive. I mean, the eight consecutive strikeouts and you know, you're talking about at some point, you're talking about Mario Hollands in that consecutive strikeout streak. you're talking about Barry Zito, two former great gaucho pitchers, um, and. Boone put himself in that conversation on, on Saturday with uh, with those two outstanding performances, or with that outstanding performance, I beg your pardon, with uh, respect to the strikeouts and, and the consecutive strikeouts. Um, in terms of, was it as impressive as his performance in Hawaii? I, th- I think a little bit more, only because of the number of consecutive strikeouts and then finishing with 14 Ks. But anytime you shut Hawaii down at their place, at Les Mirakami Stadium, you're you really I mean you're at the top of your game, McGreevy, that complete game, you know shutout. you've been there enough times, Kevin. I've been there enough times to know crowd or no crowd at Lesbury Come Stadium. It's hard to shut down Hawaii in their own building or and and those two pitchers were outstanding in doing just that.
0: You could say, and this is a, a check its term. McGreevy <laughs> was on dial a pitch yes last weekend. <laughs> And it's and I guess term. you can say Boone, you can say Boone was on dial pitch on Saturday as well. One note on on Boone's start, first pitcher to record fourteen strikeouts in a game since Barry Zito mm-hmm. in,
1: in nineteen
0: ninety seven. Did you All see right. Zito pitch here as a Gaucho? Mm-hmm.
1: I did. It was the only year he pitched here. Then he transferred to junior colleges and then eventually USC and. Yeah, but I watched him pitch here with that 12-6 to curveball, and it was something because you know how close home plate is to the backstop here, and it's never really, distance-wise, it's never really changed, even though they've, you know, uh, restructured the seating and the, the backstop, and, and, uh, and it is what it is today. It didn't used to be that way, but it's still the same distance. It's, it's always been the same distance, and to be that close to Barry Zito when he was just carving up hitters, I mean, he, he carved up Fullerton in the year that he played for UCSB and pitched for UCSB. Fullerton came here and he just carved them up, and that was a Fullerton team that was loaded with so much talent and a bunch of future professionals and some major leaguers on that team. And he, you knew he was special then. But Boone doesn't have that twelve to six, Kev, but he's got that great changeup. And I thought on Saturday his fastball was really lively. I thought it was, it was more lively than it's been in some of his recent outings. And it just makes that changeup that much more of a difficult pitch to hit.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's the arm speed. It's the, the spin rate, everything that we, we talk about on this podcast and in, in the broadcasts where I, I still stand by the changeup being the most difficult pitch to hit. Not because I could never hit one as a player, and it was my arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. But it's the deception where you're throwing it the same arm speed, the same slot. It looks the same out of the hand. But when it's coming 10 miles an hour slower and it's got depth, man, it's tough to hit.
1: Oh, yeah. You're uh, out on the top and when, foot.
0: Yeah, and when Rod can, can elevate your eye level with the fastball, I mean, how many swing-throughs did he get on, mm-hmm. on fastballs above the letters? It's just so many just because it's so deceptive.
1: Yes, and I thought he did a great job of changing the eye level of the hitters too.
0: Okay, let's let's jump into just like the season as a whole and where the Gauchos sit because as it, as it looks, it's going to be a two-team race in the Big West. At least this is through the first 16 games, so we're we're almost halfway through the Big West Conference schedule of 40 games. And UC Irvine at 14 and 3, Gauchos at Yeah. Thirteen and three. Gauchos are twelve and four, one game back. That series is the second week of May, so it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be there before you know it. Um, but Gauchos have a tough test coming up, playing on the road first time at UC San Diego, and then they got to go to Blair, and then they have to host Cal Poly. So there's a bit of a gauntlet coming up uh, for the Gauchos. Have you seen? Have you watched any of UC Irvine, or or been tracking them? At all because, yeah, a
1: little bit. I mean, they they certainly hit the cover off the ball. Uh, not this series against UC San Diego, which they took three out of four this past weekend, but the previous series against CSUN. Um, uh, they probably should have won all four of those games. I mean, they uh, CSUN in the two games that it won had to score in the bottom of the ninth inning, down by a run in each game. And if UC Irvine holds on in those two games, the Anteaters run-ruled the Matadors in the other two games, they could have easily won all four. And the Gauchos could have lost a game in the standings because the Gauchos did very well for themselves, winning three out of four in Hawaii. But, uh, you know, UC Irvine kind of coughed up a couple of games there at Northridge, and that really helped, I mean, tighten the race up a little bit. And and I think, um, you know, I think Irvine is is obviously a very good club Kevin, but I think the Gauchos are are deeper in terms of the overall talent. I think the Gauchos and I'm not saying this because I broadcast for the Gauchos and you broadcast for the Gauchos. But I think the Gauchos are a more dangerous team Um, offensively. I I think even though Irvine put up some gaudy numbers, 17 to three and 20 to three, I think were the the two run rule games. Um, even though they put up a bunch of runs against CSUN, I still think the Gaucho offense is more dangerous. It's going to be a great series when they come here, but there's a lot that can happen between now and then. As you mentioned, UCSB has to go to UC San Diego. Then the very next weekend, the Gauchos are still on the road at Long Beach State, and then they come back and they host Cal Poly. And Cal Poly is just so hit and miss these days. Yeah, Uh, You just never know what you're going to get from them. But the Gauchos know what they're going to get from them every year. Cal Poly plays UCSB extremely tough, and so, like you said, I mean, even though UCSB is is off to this great start in conference like Irvine is, both teams still have some very very challenging series ahead of them. Um, you know, both before they meet in the second weekend of May and after that. Um, so, you know, a lot can happen and there's just a one game difference right now with Irvine leading UCSB in the Big West standings. And unfortunately, Kev, I think this year it's just going to be a one bid league. Um, the, the league's RPI is, is down. I think the RPI is 18 or something like that. And um, you look at the individual teams and I think there are four of them, if I'm not mistaken, four that have RPIs in the 200s. And that's not going to get it done and the problem is that everybody plays everybody so you don't have a chance to build your rpi by playing you know a top pack 12 school even though the gauchos are going to play ucla but that's not going to be enough to lift the gauchos rpi and then right after that they go right back into big west play so i think it's going to be a one bid league which makes every game that ucsb and uc urbine play just that much more important because there's no there's no room for error. If you don't win the conference, you're probably not going to the postseason.
0: Yeah, it's critical. It's critical. I will I will argue. I think there's a small chance that there's two, a, a small chance. Gauchos are up to 55 uh, in the RPI. Yeah. Irvine yeah. at 62. And between now and when the two teams UCI and UCSB play each other. UCI will play road games at Cal Poly, and then they will host Oregon State, who is having a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they host uh, Long Beach State. So there's there is that Pac-12 series in there for Irvine. And as far as the Big West goes, you want UCI to play well against the Beavers. That right. Would be huge. And then exactly UCLA has kind of scuffled a little bit. Uh, They're still UCLA. They're still playing in the pack, and they will at least give uh, the Gouchers a chance to boost their RPI towards the end of the year. That's the Mm – is that the second-to-last weekend of the season, I think? And they play two games on the road. So it's either the third-to-last weekend or the second-to-last weekend where they play two at Jackie Uh, Robinson.
1: Two of those games are at Jackie Robinson Stadium.
0: Right, and one here at uh, Caesar Wasaka Stadium. So Mm – I think there's a glimmer of hope, but I, I, hope think, I right. think the key I, I think right. the key is that the Gauchos need to keep winning and the Anteaters need to keep winning. Mm-hmm. Because I think if, if one of the teams falls off, then it probably will be a one big league and it's whoever comes out on top. Right. Uh, fingers crossed that it's the Gauchos, of course. Exactly. This is a Gaucho podcast. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited for the stretch run because we, we didn't have it last year. And the Gouch is such a great team, and all those guys are back, and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And mm-hmm. there's the four game series, man, they are. Oh, it's fun. It's totally yeah. different than the three game series. How, so we've discussed this a couple times uh, in previous pods and on the broadcast the momentum of games one and two carrying over into game three. Mm-hmm. Have, have you noticed that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, monumental. I mean, th- there's so much momentum that you get from those first two games and especially the first game on Saturday, which is the first game of the doubleheader. I mean, um, it's just I've noticed with the Gauchos now they they just get rolling from the beginning of these series. And I, you know, honestly, I, I thought after the first two games at Hawaii, the Gauchos were going to sweep them. You know, I really did, and then I think it was the third game Hawaii got. Yeah,
0: and that, that was the first game where, like, the Gauchos were riding momentum of the game two win. So the first mm-hmm. game of the doubleheader, and they jump out, they score four times, they got Corey Lewis on the bump. Like, out we were feeling good. It looked like the Gauchos were feeling good, but Hawaii punched back, and you give them credit. Right. I think that's that's kind of the first time this year where game two of the doubleheader. Was somewhat back and forth, or someone threw a counterpunch and didn't just wipe it clean. And, like, I'm not saying we won't see see that again. We we got a
1: greedy boon, you know, yeah, you know, why. And those two have been great at building momentum for the gauchos. I mean, they've been fantastic uh, at, at getting that momentum going.
0: Corey Lewis, all the pitches that he throws. Are you able to decipher any of his pitches from, from upstairs? Because I'm standing right by an own plate, and I, I call one, and Spencer's over there shaking his head like, nope, sorry, you, it's, that's the slider. So I was that's like, I slider. swear that was the curveball. And no. he, goes, he throws mm-hmm. the curveball. I'm like, that's a knuckle. He's like, nope, mm-hmm. that was a curveball. Like, do you have as much trouble as I do?
1: Yep, even more, <laughs> even more. I mean, the only the only – pitch that I can decipher as a fastball because Bob Bronsima has track man up there with him. And if it's 88 or 89 miles an hour, that's a fastball. (laughs) But that's, that's about the only one. Now he's a stud. Corey Lewis is just, I mean, he's really impressive.
0: Yeah. And a redshirt freshman at that, he didn't even pitch last year and Mm -hmm. his first, you saw his first appearance against Santa Clara and then his, next start was on the road against Pepperdine and he, I think he, he piled up like his first six strikeouts were like backwards case. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult to decipher for the pit for the batters when he's yeah, on. I love
1: that I love that knuckleball. Is it a knuckle curve that he's throwing or is it well, a straight knuckleball with, with velocity?
0: He has a spike. It's a spiked curve. Okay. Not, not a knuckle curve. It's different. Okay. According. Yeah, it's, it's different. And then he does have a knuckle ball. It is, mm-hmm. and it's disgusting. Like, wow. yeah. yeah. And it looks, it looks, it's, it looks like it's got the same grip when he throws it. So that's what fools me. Mm-hmm. And it, it just bites when he throws a good knuckle, it just, it dances all over the place.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. been, he's been a, a welcomed addition to that starting rotation. I'll tell you, he's been great. And like I said before, Kev, I think JD Callahan has been, mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. he's really stepped up for the Gauchos because that Sunday game, that Sunday start is just as important as that Friday start. Um, especially when you have a chance to win a series or sweep a series like the Gauchos have been in position to do. Um, he's really brought it to the table for them. And uh, on Sunday against Northridge, I thought he pitched really well again.
0: He did. And that was backing up the the Hawaii start and that, that going into that Sunday game against Hawaii, where Hawaii came back on, on Saturday in game two of the mm-hmm. doubleheader, they came back. And and, won, and I felt like they had some good momentum going into Sunday. And that was, in my mind, a huge game. Because mm-hmm. it would have been, you know, if the Gauchas come out and, and trip on their feet on Sunday, that would have been another weekend where they went to lose game three and then have trouble with game four. But they came out behind JD and, and really put it to bed winning that game mm-hmm. 9-1 yeah. and putting it out of reach early. Yeah,
1: exactly. And Callahan, what was it? Five and a third inning, six strikeouts, no walks, you know, one earned run. Was it one earned run or zero earned, zero runs?
0: It was, it was one. And he, he balked the runner in from third. That's
1: right. That's <laughs> right. So he gave up the one run, but I mean, six strikeouts, no walks. Um, pretty impressive, pretty impressive by JD. And again, in Hawaii, not an easy place to win.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's warm. You're pitching, you're playing on turf. It's, there's all that foul ground. You're, you're, the uh, the sight lines are different. No, it's a, it's a tough place to play, mm-hmm. uh, and so the, yeah. So the Gauchos they they have two big series under their belt at Fullerton and at Hawaii, and they they go six and three, no five and five and three in those games. I beg your pardon, uh, and that's huge because those are two two of the series that we circled at the beginning of the year that were going to be tough tests uh, for the Gauchos and games that they would have to win if they want to win a conference championship
3: mm-hmm.
0: this year. Uh, what do I want to finish up on here?
1: How about ESPNU coming to town?
0: Okay. How about that?
1: That's that's that Irvine series. That's that Irvine series. The second game of that doubleheader on that Saturday, May 8th. ESPNU is going to televise um, at seven o'clock. And I, I, if memory serves me correct, I believe this is the first game ever televised by ESPN, one of the ESPN affiliates from Caesar Wasaka Stadium. So I think that's just absolutely thrilling for the program.
0: Yes. So first ever televised. So it's it's televised. You'll you'll be able to pull it up on your computer, of course, but you will you could also go to ESPNU on your television and it will be Caesar Wasaka Stadium out there. Mm-hmm. Which is which is pretty cool. So the exactly. whole whole different film crew, it's not gonna be your crew, it's gonna be right the the ESPN crew for that game May eighth. Uh, against UCI. And, that, and you're and
1: going to be video streaming the first game. We're not video streaming either game that day. So you'll be doing the first one.
0: That's and, right. That's right. And, and U- soccer is playing, playing that day, right?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. We're going to go over to the soccer stadium and and get UCSB and UC Davis uh, over there, video stream that. But um, that's going to be an exciting time. Under the lights, um, Irvine in town, you know, the, the big cameras, that ESPNU will have. I mean, it's going to be something. But before that, the Gauchos are on ESPNU again at Long Beach on mm-hmm. April the 25th. Mm-hmm. That's a four o'clock start on a Sunday afternoon, and that's going to be exciting too. So they'll they'll get a little experience on ESPNU uh, mm-hmm. April 25th before they come home on you know May the 8th and play Irvine on ESPNU. So I, I just think it it speaks volumes, Kevin, on where the program is under Coach Checkets. It speaks, you know. It speaks to the consistency of the program. I mean, four NCAA postseason appearances with Coach Checkett so far, um, and it—it's just you know, ESPN's not going to come to town unless it's a product that that ESPN feels is worthy of of um, you know producing, and um, and I just think it's a compliment and well deserved to the program.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It'll be like one of those uh, like Tuesday night pre-March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball games, if the if the Gouchers are playing another top team, uh, like for men's hoops or women's hoops, towards the end of the year, we're like, oh, this could be a bubble, bubble buster, exactly. whatever those are called. It'll yeah. it'll be like that because yeah. they they picked out the two top teams in the conference, and it's late in the year, and you know those games are gonna maybe make or break one of these teams' seasons. But mm-hmm. so, ESPN, ESPN night game. That's a lot of pressure on the field guy. Yeah. To make it yeah. look halfway decent.
1: And, if, after, and if,
0: after we already would have played a game the, that the field day.
1: guy, the field guy is, they, they that's, that's Kevin Cannon. That's a doubleheader sweep. That's no problem. That's, that's as they say in golf, that's a gimme because you have that field looking pristine all the time. And Thank you. that doubleheader will be no exception. I can guarantee that to the Gaucho fans who will be watching. And that's not an easy job that you and your crew have because you've got basically 40, 45 minutes in between games um, because the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, May 8th against Irvine is going to start at three. And so they're hoping to get the seven o'clock game started on time for TV, obviously, but that doesn't give you a lot of time in between games and uh, you guys just do a wonderful job.
0: Well, I appreciate that.
1: It looks major league, it really it's, does.
0: It's been showing well. Uh, I will yeah. admit, it's it surprises me every day. Yeah. Whether it's, it's a good thing. you're the hardest
1: working man in baseball.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, don't I
1: don't know what's wrong with our Oakland A's, but you're the hardest working man in baseball. The A's slow A's
0: start, slow start for the A's. They're missing their boy Marcus Simeon because yes,
1: they are. He went to Toronto, went to
0: Toronto, and he's hit three dingers already. Yeah.
1: But,
0: you know. Uh, it was masters weekend we had march madness the the weekend before did you get to watch any of the final four that used to like a zaggy game was unreal
1: that was epic that was one of the best basketball games on any level i've ever seen um that was and subs just what a, clutch players make clutch shots i guess
0: yeah and then the masters it was just great having it back with patrons oh yeah watching and the some little bit, I mean, a little bit of drama on, on Sunday with Shoffley yeah. hitting in the water on 16 and,
1: and he defended the shot. He defended it. And yeah. he was asked about it afterwards. Yeah. He said, I hit a, a beautiful iron shot and the wind just smoked it, you know, and uh but yeah, there was, that was, that was great for Hideki. And, you know, he's, I'm not sure now if Shohei Otani is the most popular mm. Uh, athlete in japan right now i think i think he's in second place right now
0: he's got yeah matsuyama he's got the green jacket mm-hmm. first ever japanese player to win a major in the pga yeah. like yeah good for him that's some, for that's him. something special o- yeah. otani's otani's been impressive himself with the the yeah. highest exit velo on a swing and the hardest pitch thrown yep through the first 100,
1: 101 miles an hour yeah i think it was something yeah. like that it's unbelievable, but it's good for good for good for the country of Japan to have those two out there because Absolutely. they're great. They're great ambassadors for that country, I
0: think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Gacho's head to UC San Diego this weekend. Jerry will be tuning in.
1: Absolutely. You'll have the call. Games. I'll be listening to you. And best of luck to you guys. Thank
0: you. Will you have any stories for us in the Santa Barbara News Press?
1: Uh, not this weekend. Okay. Not this weekend. I'm off. I'm off this weekend, but somebody will write something at the news press on the Gauchos.
0: Excellent. Excellent. See, even, even you need to date a weekend (laughs) off.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I'm going to, I'm (laughs) going to, but I'll be paying attention to the games.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right. That's Jerry Fall, voice of the Gauchos. Jerry, uh, thanks for the time and uh, looking forward to this uh, second half of the season.
1: Me too. Good luck to you guys.
0: Thank you. All right, UCSB Analytics is here. David Tillotson, Spencer Stewart. Let's jump right into it. Week eight awards in the series with CSUN. Gauchos win three of four. Before we get to the awards, real quick Gauchos bumping up in a couple polls into the top 25. And then their RPI currently sitting at 54.55. So they jump up about 15 points since last week. Currently in the Big West standings, Gauchos trailing. UC Irvine by one game, both teams losing on Sunday. UCI to UC San Diego and the Gauchos to Northridge. So UCI thirteen and three. Gauchos at twelve and four in the conference heading into week nine. So let's get to our week eight awards. I think our overall player of the week, Rodney Boone, gets some head nods there. Rodney Boone. So I'm gonna take him off the board. Fourteen strikeouts. You guys are both gonna pick him, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, he, you can't take him off the table if he didn't win pitcher of the week. Which making up rules. I have I have the power. Just making up rules. <laughs> it's up for debate. I think that uh, I mean, he, he went six six and two thirds and had fourteen strikeouts. So you know it's you're you're pitching your you're pitching your butt off at that point. You're just carving up. Really, it was fun watching him get all the swings and misses that he did. But you uh, have that
0: number. The how many swings and misses?
2: I'm pulling it up. I'll get that to you when I... Oh, I was going to get that to you when I was talking about my player of the week, but
0: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I threw a wrench into this. Welcome to it.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but Rodney, 14 strikeouts for a since Barry Zito to have 14 strikeouts in a game uh, total. Mario Hollins, who has the school record, had more, but we just like throwing the Barry Zito name out there because... He's Barry Zito, and he won a Cy Young. But six and two-thirds, two hits, three walks, and the 14 strikeouts. So that was big time for Rodney. Uh, whose turn Rodney. is go first? Unless, Spencer, you got something else to add.
2: I was just going to say he had 23 total whiffs, um, 18 of them on the fastball, five of them on the changeup. 15 of his fastballs were called strikes, whereas three of his fastballs or changeups were called strikes. So that's good for a 36% called strike to whiff percent. Um, and if you're throwing well he threw about hundred 110 pitches um with 18 of them called or 15 called 18 whiffs you're just dominating and that was a lot of fun to watch
0: okay players of the week not including Rodney Boone who's turns to go first David
3: David yeah go for it um let's see here kind of a toss up between two guys for me i'm gonna go with uh with spring jordan sprinkle um obviously tore it up at the plate this weekend hit 467 uh one double uh five runs for the Gaucho's this weekend being on base at the right time to help us score runs especially on uh saturday um so yeah i'm gonna go with jordan sprinkle turn it up getting on base uh 500 uh, at a 500 clip i should say uh, so half of that bats, he was reaching base safely, um, added a stolen base as well to it. He's been tearing it up on the bases for us this year, um, with a lot of cool plays. So, uh, I'm going to take spring this week
0: and 13 game hitting streak.
3: Yeah, as well. So, uh, continu- continuing that on carrying the flag that way now for the, for the gauchos after uh, Zach, unfortunately got his hitting streak snapped and that streak snapped at 17. <laughs> Eighteen. Eighteen games. Okay. But, uh, so uh, congrats to him on that and time to get started on a new one. Okay, Spencer.
2: My player of the week is Corey Lewis. I can't, I think that's the third time he's been my player of the week, but he continues to impress. Um it's still it's still fun watching him pitch knowing that he didn't get the chance last year in the shortened season, and this year he's come out to to prove everyone wrong and he's made a name for himself. He had six and a third. Gave up three hits, three runs. They were, you know, on home runs, but when you've got a nine nothing lead, uh, 10 nothing lead at one point, you can pitch to contact, and that's okay. He came in after Troy was the starter. Uh, Corey had 11 strikeouts, 11 strikeouts in 24 batters faced. So striking out almost half of each batter he faced. uh, And they were really struggling up against him. He had, let's see, 17. He had 20 total whiffs and 20 called strikes as well 40% called strike plus whiff percent. Um, most of those coming with his curveball, which he was favoring a lot. And uh, he had the knuckleball dancing. He didn't even need to throw it that much, but he threw it for a strike 80% of the time. Um, so he was confident with all of his pitches, with a 67% strike total. And uh, like I said, those 11 strikeouts were nothing to scoff at. It was a lot of fun watching him pitch in game three. And, uh, you know, that, that Saturday for the Gauchos was, was, everything was working well for him, which was exciting.
0: Yeah, and he, he got the win in game two of the doubleheader, pushing his record to three and one on the season. Okay, my players, players of the week. The catchers, Johnny Bloom and Mason Eng are my players of the week. Johnny Bloom, walk-off single on Friday in the 5-4 win. He had his first career home run in Oppo Taco Lina on Yay. Saturday. And <laughs> he, went, he went three for six on the weekend. And Mason Eng snapped a hitless streak with a two RBI double. On Saturday, the two of them combined to go 5-for-12 with four RBIs and four runs scored. And then, as usual, they were solid behind the dish, uh, calling the games, and they did throw out one base stealer. There were only two attempted stolen bases by Northridge uh, over the weekend. So just their presence back there uh, shut down any running game. So those are my players of the week. The catchers, great job, Johnny Bloom and Mason Eng uh moments of the week it's probably a, a few of them to pick from because i thought there were some big moments this week and i guess usually they are when you win three of four games but david you want to kick us off
3: um yeah i've got a couple um cool moment that i guess happened uh was nick welch getting to pitch on his birthday i thought that was kind of cool uh i don't know if checks knew it was his birthday or not when he made the call <laughs> to the fun late there but uh throwing a blank inning up on the board as well and helping us uh, finish off that game. So uh, that was a cool one for me. Um, one of the biggest moments I thought was Zach Rodriguez's home run on Friday night. Um, I think it was only the third slider that uh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher his name. Help me out. Kev. Who was the starting pitcher?
0: On, on uh, Friday. Yeah. Friday. S- Soderston.
3: Soderston. Yeah. Um, the third slider that he, uh, he had thrown that game. Uh, Zach was able to kind of, uh, hold his load and, and get put a good swing on the ball and send it out to a deep left center field, sent the center fielder crashing into the wall in a crazy play. Um, but really helped us come back there uh, and get back into the game and then ended up winning on Friday night. So that, that'll be my play of the week.
0: Yeah. Good pick Two run Homer in the sixth, ties it up. Gouches win it in the ninth inning. Spencer,
2: well, just a second, that Tilly, I, I saw that uh, when we were up above in Hawaii, we had a really good view of it, and even from, even from that perspective, I could tell that Zach was holding that load real well, and he pulled a couple off pitches. I think one for a double and one for a single in the same game, and that was really awesome to see because um, it's really easy to just, you know, have to react fastball and just kind of sit on the fastball. But for him to, you know, recognize that early and have the, you know, body control to adjust to it and make a good swing on it, you know, a good swing, but also putting it out of the yard is really incredible and still surprises me. He's just a freshman able to do that kind of stuff. My moment of the week is Rodney striking out eight straight. Uh, You know, we can't choose him for player of the week, but I can choose him for moment of the week after giving up the, uh, the first two batters getting on, one walking on five pitches, and then the next getting a single. Uh, Rodney struck out three in the to end the first. Struck out the side in the second. Struck out the first two, and then I thought he was going to pop. Uh, he was going to strike out Moody. I thought he was just going to keep going with it and make it nine, which would have been just just icing on the cake. Uh, but instead, it was a pop up bunt on an Oo count. Um, But regardless, like I said, you know, 14 strikeouts, eight of them early on. For Rodney, it was – well, the Gaucho offense, they didn't crack until the third, and then they went 1-3-1-3, which was pretty sweet, and then three in the eighth to get the 10-run rule. Um, It looked like it might be another battle-type game uh, before the the offense was able to crack, and uh, having Rodney strike out eight of their batters in the row, just setting the table – Dominating, and it was really cool to watch.
0: Yeah, and Rod, he continues to just be difficult to hit. Like, guys are just not squaring him up. Uh, I think the, the one hit that he, one of the hits that he gave up was a homer to uh, the pinch hitter to Remus, but the contact prior to that, there was like a pop-up bunt, there was a, a bloop single off the end of the bat, the 14 strikeouts, like, guys just were not, squaring him up, and he's looked good now in, in three straight weeks.
2: Um, I think the the one strikeout that stuck out to me, too, he was pitching against Barraza, and it was a nine-pitch at-bat. Going back and forth, a couple foul balls. There were three foul balls, and then Rodney got the strikeout swinging. And we know Rodney. He's calm, cool, collected. He doesn't show a lot of emotion when he pitches, but uh, he struck him out, and as he finished and turned, he kind of gave like a little double – you know, double fist pump, <laughs> a little pump him up to himself. And that was awesome to see um, because he knew that he had earned that one after the nine pitch battle. So it was, it was just a lot of fun watching him.
0: Okay. At my moment, I'll, I'll go with the walk-off on Friday by Johnny Bloom, just because it was, it was a gutsy win. Cause Soderston was, was pitching well for CSUN and they were in the lead, the Rodriguez Homer and then Gauchos, they had good base running on that play. It was just a slow roller to third base. It was a tough play for the third baseman. The throw pulled the first baseman off the bag. And because there's two outs, Ledford, who was on second, is not stopping round in third, hustling all the way, beats the throw home. So that was a, a combination of something that is an identity for this team. Good base runners, aggressive base runners. And Johnny Bloom is making the defense make a play. And it came out in the Gauchos' favor. Honorable mention, the Mortensen-Homer yesterday in the sixth opposite field, which made it 4-3, really changes the complexion of that game uh, at that point. So I thought that was going to be uh, – I thought the Gauchos were going to break through and, and bust out after that home run. But the starter yesterday, Blaine Traxel, he did a nice job subduing the Gauchos. Okay. Uh any metrics to report before we get to Shane Bieber? You got uh, any
3: home run stuff for, uh, for us, David? Yeah, Brock's home run uh, to right field on Saturday. Uh, 107.9 off the Ooh. bat. Hardest hit ball on the weekend. Uh, I think it was top spun. So it was kind of like throwing a curveball out to right field. It instantly wanted to go down. Uh, but he hit it so hard that it was able to get out at like 380 feet, something like that. So Uh, not as farthest of the year, but definitely the hardest home run we've seen yet this far. Uh, Cool moment there. I was also just looking over the stats here. I can't believe we didn't talk about uh, Carter Benbrook's performance this weekend, or performances, I should say. Uh, Two appearances, seven strikeouts. Um, Yeah, definitely uh, good stuff out of him.
0: Yeah, he's been getting it done. He he was on my list uh, of guys because he relieved McGreevy on... On uh, Friday, with Northridge, blanket, because he came in in the seventh, so the gouges had just tied the game, and he, he shut down the Matadors and allowed UCSB to win it in the ninth. So yeah, tip of the cap, Carter Benbrook. Also, Connor Roberts, he had two scoreless innings with three strikeouts, uh, allowed just one hit, and didn't walk anybody yesterday on Sunday. So, uh, tip of the cap to Connor Roberts as well. Any pitches to M- to note, Spencer? Um, Well, we kind of, we did the swing throughs, but we can reiterate that. I was just
2: going to highlight a little bit more Uh, Carter Benbrook. He had a combined 39% called strike strike plus whiff percent. um, Seven whiffs on the changeup in that uh, that Friday appearance. Um, So he was keeping guys off balance and whatever pitch he was throwing, he threw with confidence and that was a lot of fun to see uh, Dandy coming in throwing a 94.6. Kind of he led the uh, the velo leaderboard for the Gauchos. Um, not the performance that he would have liked, but um, a lot of stuff that he can he can learn from and and uh, take into next week against UC San Diego. Um, JD had seven whiffs on his changeup, and that was a lot of fun watching him pitch because it was another solid start, and um, he's kind of solidifying that he can chew up. A good amount of innings on the Sunday, which is incredibly huge um, in these four-game weekend series. Having the four starter being able to go out there and uh, and execute tough pitches um, throughout those those innings when usually you're you're playing for either to salvage or to get back and and, and tie the series or sweep the series. It's just they're all big games, and we know that. Um, and having JD come in and Executing in that starter role on Sunday is is really beneficial for us.
0: Yeah, JD Callahan, tip of the cap, another tip of the cap. Lots of tips of caps in this award show. <laughs> All right. Bieber in a brief MLB report. In a start against the Royals, six and a third innings, three hits, two runs, twelve strikeouts in a no decision he's one of three players to have 14 consecutive starts with eight or more strikeouts joining Corey Kluber and Randy Johnson and he's the fourth pitcher all-time to record multiple 12 strikeout opening day performances joining Bob Gibson Nolan Ryan and that man Randy Johnson so Bieber, he had a more comfortable day to pitch in. It was like a bright, sunny, seventy-five degree day in Cleveland compared to the snow in Detroit the week before. And he just racking up the strikeouts with, with all his pitches. I mean, he's just he's just great. And we were gun to watch going to watch his start, which was originally scheduled to be today, Monday night, against the White Sox, but that got moved to Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, make sure to tune in to Bieber. Starting against Chicago, I think that's at five o'clock Pacific time. Um, and then Dylan Tate, he did throw a scoreless inning against the Yankees in a win for the Orioles on April seventh. He did appear a couple times this weekend against Boston, and I think he allowed a oh, he threw a wild pitch, which allowed the go-ahead run to score. Unfortunately for Dylan, but he's had a few appearances and he's throwing the ball well for for Baltimore. Um, did you guys have a chance to see Bieber at all in his start? It was like in the morning when Spencer's working and David's working. And I was just listening to it on the radio while yeah. I was out prepping the field. So sorry about you, it.
2: You answered your question there, but I did see that he's uh, he's got the league lead in strikeouts early on. And that was something that last year he was kind of cruising through. Um, in each of his starts, he was just adding on to the total and it kind of, no one ever came close. It seemed, um, to nearing his strikeout total. So good to see that he's kind of just picking up right where he left off and, you know, throwing those names out there. He just keeps to, he he keeps adding himself into some elite company. Um, yeah, with the Cy Young, you know, obviously that's as good as it gets, but, uh, you know, hearing all these cool stats about how his opening day starts are comparable to Randy Johnson and Johnson match solutions um it's pretty cool pretty cool
0: okay that'll wrap things up for us gauchos are on the road next weekend against uc san diego first time gauchos will be playing the tritons and we will see former assistant coach for the gauchos matt harvey and uh ucsd so that is scheduled for three o'clock i'm pretty sure for Friday, and then noon doubleheader Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Spencer and I will have the broadcast for all four of those games. I'm pretty sure that they will also be on ESPN 3 with whoever does the, uh, the broadcast down there. So you can watch and listen to the Gauchos this weekend in La Jolla. All right, David and Spencer, thank you so much as always.
2: Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kev.
0: All right, big thanks to our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and a guy with a truck, Junk Removal. And big thanks to Jerry Fall, as always, very gracious, Mr. Fall. Appreciate all the hard work that he does and all the appreciation that he sends my way. And then thank you to David and Spencer. They're just pulling long hours, grinding with the Gauchos winning 21 of their first 30 games, and they've got a lot lot to do with what goes on behind the scenes. Okay, Gauchos looking ahead to UC San Diego. Catch those games on ESPN3 and on UCSBGauchos.com with myself and Spencer Stewart. 3 o'clock on Friday, doubleheader on Saturday starting at noon and then 1 o'clock on Sunday. So please tune in and catch the Gauchos on social media, Twitter and Instagram, UCSB underscore baseball, uh, sending out game highlights uh, and some good graphics and some good uh, compilation stuff uh, will be heading your way. So please check that out, UCSB underscore baseball. All right, my name's Kevin Cannon, signing off on this episode of the and Nine Podcast. We'll talk to you from San Diego on Friday.